What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. All right, so we're talking our fantasy outlook on running back and quarterback free agents. Let's start with the running backs. So I'm not going to get into any rookies on this episode because we're going to save that till after we find out where these rookies go. With free agency being exactly one week away from the time I'm recording this podcast, not sure when I'm going to release it yet. This is going to be a very interesting and honestly, I think fun debate and topic we're going to have today. So the top free agent running backs, that's where we're going to start. We have Melvin Gordon. They just re-signed Austin Eckler, so they're definitely not going to be signing Melvin Gordon. Derrick Henry, right now he remains unsigned by the Titans. Kenyon Drake, who also remains unsigned by the Cardinals. And David Johnson, the second Cardinals running back. But it seems like the tea leaves, and from what we've read, is showing that David Johnson will not be a Cardinal. So those are our four big name running backs on the free agent market. And then for landing spots, I had to consider one thing first. It's not just what teams need running backs, but it's also what teams have cap space versus their relative draft picks and whether they're more likely to draft a running back or sign a running back. But to start the landing spots that could be possible for running backs, any teams that need running backs are the Bills, the Texans, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Bucks, and the Falcons. I'm already automatically going to throw out the Falcons because they don't have much cap space and I don't see them bringing in a free agent running back by any means. They're probably going to cut Devonta Freeman and that's because of his cap hit. So with that said, we're not going to worry about the Falcons. Let's start with the Bills. So a lot of people have been saying Derrick Henry or Melvin Gordon would be a really good fit with the Bills. While that's true for their fit for the team, I do not think that's true for fantasy. Here's the thing. Last year, the Bills had a solid defense. They were never too far behind in games, except for a couple. So oftentimes they had the opportunity to run the ball as much as they wanted, right? They had Frank Gore, Devin Singletary. Between those two, they had barely more than 300 rushes. And you have Josh Allen, who's a running quarterback, so he takes a lot of those rushes off the board. He had over 100 by himself. So while the team was one of the upper teams in terms of rushing yards and rushing statistics, a lot of that you have to take away because that was from Josh Allen. So then what you have left with the running backs was just over 300 carries. And Devin Singletary is still going to be there, obviously, 100%. They just drafted him. And he was getting around 10 to 12 carries per game. And obviously, he picked up more later in the season than in the beginning. While the Bills do have a lot of cap space, I think it would be better for them to sign a free agent running back right now and sign him to like a three-year deal instead of using draft capital on running back and then use their draft capital on the defensive side or wide receiver side. Um to improve their team just overall, not speaking fantasy-wise. So if they do go that route 
and they do do what I think is better for them, which would be signing a free agent running back. Whatever running back they bring in, whether it be Melvin Gordon, Derrick Henry, I don't see them bringing in a Kenyon Drake type, and David Johnson, I feel like, I don't know why, it just doesn't make, it doesn't seem like a good team fit for me. So between Melvin Gordon and Derrick Henry, whichever one of those running backs come comes in, they're not going to be getting more than 10 to 12 carries. If it's Derrick Henry and they want to just push Devin Singletary to the full-time receiving role and not give Derrick Henry any receiving work, then maybe Henry will out-touch, um, out-touch Singletary in terms of carries, and maybe Henry could get 14 or 15, but that's not how Henry is good. We've seen top-tier Derrick Henry. We've seen the NFL's rushing leader, Derrick Henry. And what does that running back get? 18 to 20 touches per game minimum. There is no way that if the Bills sign him, he gets that. So if you're rooting for Derrick Henry or Melvin Gordon, you do not want them to be a Bill contrary to what some people think is a good landing spot. Outside of the Bills, we have the Texans. The Texans are a high high offensive power team and they have a lot of juicy weapons. They have Deshaun Watson, they have Will Fuller, they have DeAndre Hopkins. Even Kenny Stills is good in his own right. So they have some pieces. The Laramie Tunzel massively improved their offensive line. So the offensive line isn't as atrocious as it has been for the past three years. But the thing with the Texans is we have seen that touchdowns do not follow the running backs. But the question is, do the touchdowns not follow the running backs because of the system the Texans use their offensive system, or does the offensive system that they currently have been using not give touchdowns to the running backs because of the running backs that they've had? What I mean by that is they had Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. While there's some talent between the two of those running backs, maybe Bill O'Brien doesn't want to try to put the, the red zone trust and the red zone touchdown possibility in the hands of those running backs when he had Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe if he had a Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry, he would start running the ball more and giving a lot more opportunities and dr- drop some design plays, especially for Melvin Gordon because he's a good receiver out of the backfield, to get the running back to more touchdowns. So the thing is, for me, that's a risk that I, I don't want to be a part of. I do not want to be drafting either a Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry if he goes to the Texans because of two reasons. One, it's an unknown. And when you have an unknown in fantasy, you usually take your shot at unknown factors when they're like a sleeper or when there's potential for upside. But I already know, and I'm sure most of you agree with this, if Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry go to the Houston Texans, they're going to be in the top 10 for running back rankings. Because everyone's going to say, oh, they're going to get a massive workload. They're in a great offense. They're going to have many opportunities to score. This, 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 this. If if that happens, if one of them goes there, you're drafting them at their ceiling. I don't want to be a part of that. Melvin Gordon and Derrick Henry, while a lot of other running backs that are touted in the top 10, you are drafting them close to their ceiling. Obviously, people like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley have ceilings that we did not expect. But... Melvin Gordon and Derrick Henry are not that transformational of a type of running back. And therefore, you're basically drafting them at their ceiling. And they have the unknown factor. Other guys like Zeke, we know what his ceiling is. Um, who's another one? Camaro, we know what his ceiling is. So yeah, we're also drafting them at their ceiling. But we know that, that, that they're going to be near their ceiling. We know that they have safe touches, safe red zone opportunities. Everything we know is a guarantee 
pretty much a guarantee, and we know what they're going to get, but we haven't seen it with the Texans yet, so why would you take the risk? That's basically my pitch for why the Bills and Texans are not good landing spots for these free agent running backs, especially the top tier ones. Then we have the Cardinals. The Cardinals are by far my absolute favorite landing spot for any of the free agent running backs, although I do think that the best one there would be the one they already have, not David Johnson, but Kenyon Drake. So let me give you some Kenyon Drake numbers. With his uh, with his eight games that he played with Arizona after he got traded from Miami, he averaged 18.9 points per game. So I like to speak in points per game because a lot of times running backs get injured and so a running back that only played 12 games but was the RB1 during those 12 games finishes the rankings as the RB6 at the end of the year or an RB2 or, or 4 or 3. You get the gist. So I like to go by points per game because I want to know when they're healthy, which is when you're putting them in your lineup because when your running back is hurt, he's not in your lineup. When you're putting him in your lineup because he's healthy, he's on the field, how much is he scoring? So that's why I go by points per game. It makes the most sense to me. Kenyon Drake had 18.9 points per game. That would put him inside the top five at running back in points per game. Ezekiel Elliott was the RB3 last year. He played all 16 games, and he averaged 19.4 points per game. That's half a point difference per game than Ezekiel Elliott. That's Kenyon Drake with the Arizona Cardinals, and he had just gotten to that team in his eight games. He had four and a half receptions a game, 15 carries a game, so a decent workload, but nothing astronomical where we're going to expect reduction for the next coming season. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry, which is obviously amazing. That's top tier. And so even if you're projecting regression for Kenyon Drake, and you think that maybe a 16-game workload, you're worried about it. Maybe you think that he's not going to get as many carries. Whatever happens, he was a top five running back in points per game. So... That was at 18.9. I think their offense is going to be better next year, but not much better than it was the latter portion of the season, just better for Kyler Murray, but not much better than it was the latter portion of the season because they were scoring a lot more in their last eight games and their first eight games. And this is going to come into play when I talk to you guys about David Johnson coming up. But to continue with Kenyon Drake, he averaged 18.9. Let's say you want to take away 3.9 points per game. That's a lot. That's almost 25% of his production right? So if you do that, he had, fifth, we can say 15 points per game is his floor next season, okay? If you want to take away 25% of his production. That would put him last year at 240 points over a 16-game season, which would make him the RB12. So no matter what way you slice it, unless you're going to go on a limb and predict something astronomical to happen, something disastrous to happen to Kenyon Drake, I do not see how if he re-signs with the Cardinals, he is not at minimum a high RB2, most likely an RB1. So I want Kenyon Drake to go back to the Cardinals. It's the best landing spot out of all the free agent um, landing spots for running backs that are realistic by far. And he already showed us what he can do there. He also, by the way, had 80 rushing yards per game and eight touchdowns in those eight games. So you can even say, oh, a touchdown per game, that's not feasible. Maybe he'll get... 12 touchdowns on the season instead of 16. That's still going to put him inside the top 12 running backs. So like I said, he was with elite company in his points per game. So that's Kenyon Drake. Let's move in to David Johnson real quick since we're on Cardinals running backs. 
So I feel like a lot of us have this distorted view, including me until I dove into the numbers about David Johnson. So because of his injuries over the past couple seasons and we haven't been able to see him put everything together, and a lot of us that have drafted him took him with a high pick and because of his injuries or whatever the case may be, he didn't deliver. So it really puts a bad view over David Johnson. And we start possibly thinking, you know, oh, he's getting older. He's not as good. Well, let me give you some stats to show you why he's still one of the better running backs in the game. In David Johnson's first six games with the Cardinals, let's add some context here, okay? It was Cliff Kingsbury's first NFL games. He just came from college, and his offense was struggling, okay? the Their offensive output was extremely lower in the first half of the season when David Johnson was playing and healthy than it was in the second half of the season, okay? So their offense was struggling, and despite that, David Johnson, while he was healthy in those first six games, averaged 3.9 yards per carry. That's pretty good because if you remember when they had Josh Rosen and the horrible O-line and an even worse offense, David Johnson was, I believe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was around the 3.5, 3.2, and we still knew that David Johnson was good, right? He's at averaging 3.9 yards per carry. And considering the context, that's pretty good because of how bad the offense was. And Kyler was also a rookie. So he had a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback. Of course, they're going to just lean on the running back. And the defense knows that. The defense is going to play and cover up David Johnson. They're going to try and put and force the ball into offensive play calling from a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback to beat them with his arm. So he averaged a pretty good amount considering all those things. Also, in his two games out of the six, where he had more than 13 carries, 13 carries or more, he had two, 17 and 18. In those two games, when he got to get going, he averaged five point yards per carry. So what do I take from this? He's still good. Less than a thousand career touches. That is unheard of for how old he is, and the fact that he's a free agent, and the fact that he is has put up an amazing season where he had more than 2,000 yards combined. So he has less than 1,000 career touches. To put that in context, Zeke hit 1,000 career touches, I believe, after three seasons. So, after, so before his rookie contract was even over, after his third year. So David Johnson is actually pretty fresh. So I think he's a good... Uh, running back for someone to sign. He's not going to land with the Cardinals. I'm pretty sure they've made that clear. And like I said, if he goes to the Bills or the Texans, I don't really like him. So I think that there is one other place that would be a good landing spot that is realistic for free agent running backs. So outside of the Cardinals, which I am filling that void with Kenyon Drake, I would say it is the Dolphins. So I think David Johnson going to the Dolphins, I would be interested in that. And before, without crunching the numbers, I would say he's probably a back-end RB1 or a top-end RB2 with the Dolphins because he's still a good player and he's probably a lot better than most of us think he is. And he's also fresher and can take a big workload. Okay, so, so far we've gone over the Bills, the Texans, why I don't think they're great spots. Why I think the Cardinals is the best spot. Why I eliminated the Falcons. So then we have the Titans and the Bucks. The Titans, if they do not re-sign Derrick Henry, are not going to bring somebody else in outside of the draft. Okay, so Derrick Henry was their entire offense. 
why would they let Derrick Henry walk and then bring in a Melvin Gordon or a David Johnson? To me, it just it makes no sense. Derrick Henry is their identity. The only way they let him walk is because of money. And even though he would cost more than a Melvin Gordon or David Johnson, they would pay that disparity to keep the guy that they already had, show their locker room that they reward players that put in the work that they draft, that they bring in, and keep the culture going strong in that in that locker room. So if they're not re-signing Derrick Henry, they're drafting a rookie running back, and all of a sudden, whatever rookie goes there is going to be highly touted in my mind and in the fantasy community overall, most likely. So if Derrick Henry's not a Titan, there's no need to talk about the Titans bringing in anybody else, because it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, you could come back and point to me on this podcast, mark it down right here at whatever time mark this is, and you can make me look dumb all you want on Twitter, whatever. But I'm telling you, if Derrick Henry's not a Titan, none of these other free agent top running backs are going to be a Titan either. Then we have the Bucks. A lot of people like to say the Bucks are a good landing spot for a running back. Bruce Arians is looking for his running back, yada, yada, yada. Well, to me, they're pretty similar to the Bills. The Bills already have a young running back, Devin Singletary, who looks good. And while Ronald Jones has not looked as good as Devin Singletary, he is a lot better than people noticed. So Ronald Jones averaged 4.2 yards per carry on the season. That's pretty good, especially considering the Bucks' offensive line is not that great. So he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. And I don't see any scenario in which Ronald Jones is not getting 10 touches per game, at least. And whatever quarterback the Bucks decide to bring in, which we're going to have to talk about later once we get to quarterbacks, whatever quarterback the Bucks decide to bring in is going to be throwing the ball a decent amount. I mean, we're in a high offensive division between the Saints and the Falcons. So that's four games where we're always having to score and put up a lot of points so we don't get to get the ground game going as much. And me as a Bucks fan, personally, I know that the Bucks just don't tend to run the ball much. And even Bruce Arians, um, maybe because Jameis Winston was so tantalizing, we had Mike Evans, we had Chris Godman, we didn't have a sick running back. Ronald Jones is good, but it was also his first year with Bruce Arians, and he had no proven production before that in the NFL because his rookie season was atrocious, but he only had 20 carries. So everyone completely over, overhyped that in a bad way, like made it seem like he's horrible. He got no opportunities. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, Ronald Jones is going to get 10 to 12 touches at minimum. There's only about 25 touches to go around to the running back position. So anybody that they bring in, if they bring anybody in, is only going to get 10 to 12 touches. Plus, plus the Bucks while... You read articles that say, oh, the Bucks have 80 million, they're top five in open cap space. That's true, but guess what the Bucks don't have? They don't have a quarterback signed. They haven't signed Shaq Barrett. Jason Pierre-Paul and Ndamukong Sue are free agents. We also have Brashad Perryman as a free agent. He had more than four 100-yard games once our two top receivers got hurt. And there are a bunch of other middle-tier, bottom-tier free agents that the Bucks need to re-sign. So that 80 million is going to drop down to 15 10 in no time at all, because the quarterback's going to take 30, Shaq's going to take 20, that's already 50 of the 80 gone. Then you have JPP, JPP and Ndamukong Sue. If they re-sign both, that's the rest of the cap, pretty much. Um, and then they just re-sign their small, you know, bottom of the 52-man roster, 53-man roster, um, the bottom barrel guys, and bring them back to keep the depth strong. So I don't see us having the money to bring in a free agent running back, but even if we did, 
he wouldn't be in a great situation like everyone thinks. So, that leaves us one team, the Dolphins. So, I think the Dolphins would be the third best option. So, I have right now the Cardinals as the top tier best option for any free agent running backs. The Texans at second, although I told you if one of the top tier guys like Gordon or Henry go to the Texans, I'm not going to touch them because they're going to be drafted at their ceiling. And I don't like drafting people at their ceiling unless I know it's proven production, which we haven't seen in Houston. And then my third best team is the Dolphins. Here's what I would do if I was the Dolphins GM. I would sign Melvin Gordon. So a lot of people might be like, ew, why would they do that? They have so many draft picks. They can draft a a young guy and develop him. Here's the thing. What have we seen with running backs over the course of the past few years? They have trouble getting second contracts with the team that that drafted them. And they have trouble getting second contracts at all. Melvin Gordon was a pretty good running back. He couldn't get a second contract. He held out, couldn't get one. Le'Veon Bell was holding out. He had trouble getting one. And the Jets, a stupid organization, made makes dumb decisions all the time, is the only team that was even bidding for him, pretty much. And so they took him, and it looks like they're regretting it. Todd Gurley's second contract looks like a disaster for the Rams. Devonta Freeman's second contract's not that great for the Falcons. So we've seen all of all of these contracts, big contracts for free agent running backs, not looking great. And usually teams that draft a rookie running back, that running back is great for them on that first contract, but then they let him go because they don't want to, to re-sign him to that big deal and put a lot of money money in the running back position. So why am I suggesting a free agent running back to go to the Dolphins then? Because they have so much money, it doesn't matter. And because most of their team is not going to cost money at all. All of those draft picks are going to be cheap. And all of those draft picks, at minimum, are going to have four years on their rookie deal. And the first uh, the first rounder is going to have a fifth-year option. So let's say I was the Dolphins, GM. I'm drafting my quarterback in the first round, whether whoever they like, Tua, Herbert. Um, I'm drafting the quarterback. I'm trying to solidify the offensive line, add pieces to the defense, give some weapons in the offense at wide receiver, to my quarterback and I bring in Melvin Gordon because if I bring in a rookie running back the Dolphins are not going to be good right away by the time the Dolphins are able to develop if the organization does everything correctly develop their picks and everything into a good position all of a sudden they're going to have a whole bunch of guys to resign because they brought in so many people in the same draft class and they're not going to resign that rookie running back so by the time they get good enough to compete all of a sudden they're losing the running back that they had if he was a rookie and they're really and was really good, and then they're just going to be going back to the well in the draft and trying to find another rookie running back. Why do that when you have so much money to waste right now and bring in a proven commodity such as Melvin Gordon to give a solid weapon to your rookie quarterback and whatever the offensive line is, whatnot, it, everything is going to be better with that, with that uh, running back in Melvin Gordon. And then by the time you guys get good and you need to re-sign everyone, Melvin Gordon's contract is up. So all that money that you put into Melvin Gordon doesn't hurt you in any way at all financially because it drops right off. You sign him to a three-year deal. Once his three-year deal is over, that's just in time. One year early, in fact, for you to re-sign Tua or Herbert or whatever. That's And that's going to end up being like half or one-third of the quarterback's money that you needed. 
and it just makes everything make more sense. And then you can draft your rookie running back once everyone else is developed. So it just makes way more sense to bring in a free agent now, draft a running back later, and then get your team on the right track. Okay, so that Miami running back situation, that <laughs> took me off, not off track, but it took me a lot longer than I thought. I didn't think I was going to talk about it that much. So basically, I think that they're the third best place after the Texans just because the Texans offense is way better. They have a lot more opportunity over there. But I think the Dolphins are the third best option for anybody to land. So that's basically what we have for the landing spots and fantasy outlook for running backs uh, that are free agents and the landing spots. So real quick, we'll go back over them. Melvin Gordon, I think that Miami should sign him. Derrick Henry should be re-signed by the Titans. If he goes to the Texans or Bills, I will not be touching him because he would be drafted at his ceiling. Kenyon Drake should go to the best landing spot, which would be staying in Arizona. And he would be at RB1 for me. Not the RB1, just top 12 ARB1. David Johnson, i having trouble finding a landing spot for him. If the Dolphins don't land Melvin, then maybe he goes to the Dolphins. Maybe maybe he comes to the Bucks if the Bucks try to make cap space. But if he does, he's back-end RB2 just because he's not going to be getting, or middle-tier RB2 because he's not going to be getting the touches he needs because Roach is going to be taking 10 to 12 touches. And whoever goes to the Bills is not going to be getting as much touches as you want because Devin Singletary, they just drafted him. He showed how good he was, and he's going to get 12 touches a game minimum. So that's my summary for the running back landing spots and the free agent running backs. All right, and now we did good on running backs, doing good on time. Let's get into the quarterbacks. This is insane, the names that I'm about to read off this list. Most of you have probably already heard them, but hopefully I give you guys a spin or something that you guys haven't heard before or give you some deeper fantasy analysis than other people have given you because I feel like a lot of people have talked about, oh, you know, this person, he should go here and he would be a good fit here and this person, there's murmurs of him going here, you know, the gist, talking about landing spots, but I haven't heard much in terms of fantasy. Where where would you rank this person if he landed here or here, whatnot? So here are the free agent quarterbacks and we're gonna count them out all right we have tom brady that's one count with me philip rivers teddy bridgewater james winston ryan Tannehill. that's five so far Dak prescott six marcus mariota seven then we also have andy dalton and Derek carr which dalton will be traded i guarantee you he will be traded even if it's for like a sixth or seventh round pick. And then we have um, Derek Carr, who nobody knows. John Gruden, uh, what are you guys doing? We have no idea if he's on the trade block or not. You guys commit to him, but then it also seems like you're flirting with other people too. So we never really know what's going on there. So that's a possibility of nine quarterbacks that could be changing teams. Mariota, we don't really need to talk about. I just wanted to put his name out there just as respect because he is a free agent, and obviously Tennessee's not re-signing him. So basically we have eight relevant quarterbacks that could have a starting gig somewhere. Dalton, I think the only place he would start if he gets traded to that place would be either Chicago, if he, if Chicago comes to their senses and realizes Trubisky's not as good as they want him to be and won't live up to what they expected of him, and Dalton beats him out. 
or if Dalton comes to the Bucks and that's who the Bucks end up riding with, which I wouldn't be opposed to because it would be cheap and allow us to put money in other places and invest in a rookie quarterback either later in this draft or draft one next year. So Dalton, we pretty much, I'm only going to talk once I get to him about him being with either the Bears or the Bucks. But outside of taking off Marietta, taking off Dalton, we're going to talk about everybody else for sure. Then, so that's now seven. If you take off Mariota and you take off Andy Dalton, that's seven people. Here are the vacancies. The Patriots, the Titans, the Colts are a possible, not vacancy, but a possible landing spot. Um, but the Patriots and Titans right now are vacancies. The Raiders are a possible landing spot if they get rid of Carr. The Chargers are a vacancy. The 49ers, there's been some buzz about Brady, but that's the only person. Um, they're not in like the whole free agent market because they have Garoppolo, but maybe they trade for Brady. Honestly, I don't want to talk about that too much because I feel like that's kind of... I. It would just make me feel weird because Jimmy Garoppolo, while he may not have done everything they wanted, that would be getting rid of him, trading him to the Patriots, or giving him to the Patriots. Um, yeah, trading. And then getting signing Tom Brady... To me, it's like he just brought you to a Super Bowl, and you have a solid defense. How about you just give him, you know, a few more weapons and see what he can do, give him another chance. I mean, that's an ultra, ultra aggressive move, and if it doesn't work out, your organization is going to be tanked. Um, like, if you guys don't win with Brady and you got rid of Garoppolo, and all of a sudden, you know, Brady's deteriorate, deteriorating after two years, and not the same guy and you guys haven't won a Super Bowl, you completely just tanked your franchise because now you have to find another quarterback. So I don't think that makes any sense. Then we have the Cowboys. If Dak is not resigned, then we have the Bears as a backup slash compete spot, and we have the Bucks. So I believe we said we had seven quarterbacks that are going to be most likely starting somewhere. And we have seven teams, if you take out the Niners, and you take out the... The Bears, so it pretty much matches up pretty nicely, but obviously some of these teams are going to be taking rookies. I don't think, and I didn't list the Dolphins here because they're probably definitely taking a rookie, and even if they're not, um, they definitely are, but even if they weren't, they're not taking any of these quarterbacks off this list because they already re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to be their starter for the next season, unless a rookie quarterback beats him for the job. So we basically have the quarterbacks matching up with the teams in terms of numbers, and the only, I think it makes perfect sense because I don't think any of these rookie quarterbacks this year in this draft are going to start other than um, Joe Burrow. I think all the other guys are going to sit at least some portion of time. So we're going to talk about Brady to start. <clears throat> so Brady is a very wanted quarterback, but we're starting to hear that maybe not as many teams want him as we initially thought. So while we hear that, I still think most people would take Brady if they could, if they think they have a roster ready to win. I want Brady to come to the Bucks, okay? But I'm not going to just talk about the Bucks because I don't want it to seem like I'm being biased or blinded by my red-colored glasses over here. So Brady could go back to the Patriots. If he goes back to the Patriots, he's a back-end QB1, probably just a QB2. So he's probably only relevant in Superflex leagues. If he goes to the Colts, that's another spot that he might go. I still think that he's in that same range because the Patriots' weapons are not really that much worse than the Colts' weapons because the Colts have T.Y. Hilton 
And that's pretty much receiving-wise. That's all they have. And then they have Eric Ebron if they even re-sign him, which they're probably not going to. And so they pretty much don't have much weapons outside of T.Y. and a couple running backs and a good offensive line. The Patriots, I think, have more weapons in Sanu and Harry and um, the running backs that they have, James White and Sonny Michelle, are pretty equivalent to Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. So those are pretty similar situations to me. And then we have the Titans. If Brady goes to the Titans, I'm going to be more interested, even though the identity is a little bit different. So the Titans, they rely more on their defense and making smart decisions on offense, the play action, and... We have that, especially if they re-sign Henry, I think that's a, a really nice spot for Brady because they'll have A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Taewon Taylor, and Derrick Henry in the backfield and a pretty good offensive line. So if Brady goes to the Titans, I think that's better than the Colts or Patriots for fantasy purposes. Also, you might see a revival for Corey Davis. Derrick Henry will be pretty much the same um, in terms of fantasy production. A.J. Brown, I think, will be more consistent a lot of people already have him as like a round two guy. I actually threw out a poll on my Instagram. It was, I called it an ADP check. And I said, what round are you drafting AJ Brown in? And the options were the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. Because he's definitely in that range. Nobody's taking him in the first. Nobody's taking him after the fifth. And the majority of the votes, like 35% of the votes were for the second round. About 30% of the votes were for the third round. And then... Um, the other 40% was divvied up between 4th and 5th. So most people are already super high on A.J. Brown. And we don't even know what quarterback is going there yet. If Brady goes there, I think that possibly he's being valued correctly. But that's only if Brady goes there or somebody that will make him consistent. Because Tannehill, we saw it for a limited amount of time. But we've also seen Tannehill over the years. And other than Jarvis Landry, he hasn't really produced a consistent fantasy receiver. And Jarvis Landry had way more targets than A.J. Brown. So I think Brady would be pretty much good for everyone in that offense, including himself. I think he would be a back-end QB1. He would not be a QB2. I think he would be a back-end QB1 with the Titans or a high-end QB2. But he would definitely be much more fantasy-relevant by himself than if he was with the Patriots or the Colts. But the best spot... In fantasy terms, for Tom Brady is by far the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He will be throwing the most with the Buccaneers than he would with the other teams. He would have the best weapons than any of the other teams. We have one of the the best supporting casts in terms of receiving groups and weapons in the entire NFL. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So with receivers, because of all the different types of receivers, it's hard to put together a top five. It's not like it was before back in the day when it was just easier to say, you know, these are the top five receivers in the NFL because some people will value Tyree Kill's skill set much more than, um, for example, a Mike Evans, but some people will value a Mike Evans skill set more than a Tyree Kill skill set. So it's tough to say, like, how good is a receiver compared to all the other receivers, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are definitely top 10, both of them, top 10 receivers in the NFL. You can make an argument that both of them are top five based off production um, this past season and stats. So Brady would have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If we didn't get rid of O.J. Howard, which I think if we brought in Tom Brady, we would not do that. Then Tom Brady would have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. So that's one of the best tight end pairings in the NFL. 
I think probably the only team I know for sure that has a better pairing than that is the Eagles with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Um, so that's a pretty good pairing for him. So that's four great options. If we re-sign Brashad Perriman, then that's an amazing fifth option. And then Rojo's pretty good in his own right. And obviously we'll be bringing in another running back to help, especially in the receiving game. Even though Rojo had 40 or caught 75% of his targets last year, he caught 30 of 40, and he had more than 10 yards per reception. So he actually is a lot better than people think in the receiving game, but he uh, he would definitely help, and we could definitely use help um, if Brady got another weapon in the running game. So the Bucks would definitely be the best spot for Tom Brady to land. Sorry, <clears throat> I don't know why my throat is so clogged today. <clears throat> so then we have Philip Rivers. I don't really see Philip Rivers going anywhere other than the Colts or the Bucks. Hopefully he does not go to the Bucks. Because in my mind, at this point in his career, Philip Rivers is a, a less explosive version of Jameis Winston. While Philip Rivers has better decision making, his the weakness in his arm that he's showing now with his age basically is the difference that makes up the better IQ that he has between him and Jameis Winston. So while Jameis Winston will throw a lot of interceptions for bad decisions, Philip Rivers throws a lot of interceptions because he can't just he can't throw the ball far enough to hit his receiver and it's underthrown. Or a ball sails on him because he's not as accurate and it goes over to the middle of the field above his receiver who is just running a dig or a short slant or whatnot. So they both, between Rivers and, and Winston, they both have a touchdown interception ratio which is way too close to being one so one touchdown per one interception and Rivers just does it on a worse basis so Rivers had like 24 touchdowns to 20 interceptions while Jameis had like 33 touchdowns to 30 interceptions so they're pretty much the same person one's just more explosive has a better arm and can produce better numbers for you fantasy wise for both the receivers he's throwing to and for himself so Rivers hopefully doesn't go to the Bucks, but if he did, we have to talk about the possibility because it is a possibility. And if Rivers goes to the Bucks, I think Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin would. You have to move them down. You have to. From what they were last year with Jameis Winston throwing for five thousand yards, Rivers is not throwing for five thousand yards. I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. And Rivers is probably not throwing for thirty three touchdowns. So. If we get somebody like Rivers, you got to bump down Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. There's no doubt about it. Then Rivers could also go to the Colts. Pretty much similar to Brady. Oh, and by the way, Rivers with the Bucks, I still don't think he'd be a QB1. Tom Brady with the Bucks, um, I think he would be a QB1 for sure. He'd probably be like around between 8 and 10 to me. And then we have Rivers going to the Colts. If Rivers goes to the Colts, which seems like a very, very high possibility right now, we're hearing that a lot. We're hearing that more than the Bucks rivers connection uh, that we were hearing earlier in the season or, well, in the offseason. If he goes to the Colts, T.Y.'s, T.Y.'s, he's the man. T.Y. is still T.Y. T.Y. produced with Andrew Luck. T.Y. produced with a backup. I don't remember what his name is right now. When Andrew Luck was hurt. Then he produced with Jacoby Brissett. So he produces with anyone. So I still think he would be in that back end wide receiver one, top end wide receiver two range. 
Um, but that's pretty much it. That's the only person I would really be looking at in that Colts offense out of the wide receivers. And those are basically the two places I think he goes. He's not obviously going to the Chargers. The Raiders are not going to put take, bring in anyone outside of Derek Carr. Like, if they're keeping Carr, they're keeping Carr. The only person they would take over Carr and would let him go for would be Brady. So I guess we should go back to Brady. Sorry, there's just so many vacancies and so many open spots that it's hard to keep everything in order. So yes, we're going back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, if he is a Raider, then I would say whatever rookie wide receivers they bring in, because they're definitely going to bring in some if Brady goes there. I mean, he needs weapons. He's been vocal about it. They have two draft picks in the first round in the heaviest wide receiver class we've seen in a while that we've talked so much about on past podcasts. So he would have a Jerry Judy or a CeeDee Lamb or a Henry Ruggs. He probably has one of those three. And if not one of those three, definitely either a LaVisca Chanel, a Justin Jefferson. He's going to have one of those guys that throw to. One, whoever that guy is, I'm going to have pretty high. Because I think part of the reason rookie receivers started slow in New England had nothing to do with Brady. I think it was more to do with Belichick. I don't think Gruden has any problem and Mike Mayock have any problem putting rookie receivers onto the field right away and letting them just basically figure it out. So Brady would be really good for whatever receivers are there. I would love Darren Waller. Darren Waller would definitely be a top five tight end. Um, After Kelsey Kittle, after Kelsey and Kittle, he's probably right next, like right around Ertz, right next to Ertz. So I think that that would be a very good spot for Waller, fantasy-wise, if Brady went to the Raiders, much better than Derek Carr. Um, He was still really good with Carr, but I think he would just definitely be better with Brady. And then let me just look at that that list again, see where else Brady can go, so we don't have to come back to Brady. So we talked about the Patriots. Well, we didn't talk about the Patriots, but we know Tom Brady with the Patriots. He'll be what he has been on the past couple years, which is a a QB2. Then, or a very back-end QB1, probably just a QB2. If he goes to the Titans, we talked about that. Talked about the Colts. Just talked about the Raiders. Um, I don't think we talked about the Chargers. So real quick, if he went to the Chargers, I would really love Eckler because Brady checks down to running backs. Probably Phillip Rivers was part of the reason Eckler did so good. Um, and he had just so many checkdowns to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Well, Brady might be the only quarterback that checks down the ball to running backs more than Phillip Rivers. And that would be great for Austin Eckler. So I would absolutely love Eckler. And Brady would probably want to use Eckler in the red zone because he did that with running backs all the time in New England. So Eckler would be great. Keenan Allen would be great. Mike Williams would be good, but not as much because Tom Brady doesn't seem like the guy that throws up the end zone fade as much as other quarterbacks. And that's more Mike Williams game. It's not really a game of separation. It's a game of I'm going to go up and grab the ball over you. Um, And that's just... When Brady has Eckler and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, if they keep Hunter Henry, who also I would like a lot, he would be in my, he wouldn't be in my top five just because of injury risk, but in terms of like projected numbers and where I would have him ranked in terms of projections, not where I would draft him, but his projections would probably be four or five um, in terms of projected points over a 16 game season. So all the weapons I would like in LA, I think they would all be better with Brady than they were last year with Rivers, except for Eckler just because of how good he was, but he would still be a top five or a top 10. I'll say top 10. He would still be a top 10 running back 
assuming they don't have anybody else to take a lot of carries away from them. So that's that's it. Now we're done with Brady because I don't want to talk about him going to the Niners. I mean, if he went to the Niners, you could bump up everyone on that team a little bit, but not that much. The only person I think that would get bumped up a lot more than how they are ranked with Jimmy Garoppolo would be George Kittle. He'd probably be tight end two behind Kelsey, but it would be a lot closer than what I think it is at because I still think Kelsey is the tight end one over George Kittle, and I don't think it's close, but it would be like back-to-back if Brady was a 49er. But outside of that, we don't need to worry about Brady going there. Brady's not going to the Bears. We already talked about Brady with the Bucks. The only other team is the Cowboys. If they... Because the Cowboys don't believe, don't seem to believe in Dak as much as Dak believes in Dak and as much as his agent believes in him. So if they don't re-sign Dak, then they might bring in Brady and they have a good pitch for him because if they can find a way to re-sign Amari Cooper and they have Michael Gallup and they have Randall Cobb and they have one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL and a decent defense, that's a good pitch for winning a Super Bowl. And he's got decent weapons, but he also has his protection, which is really important. So Brady to the Cowboys would be a very good thing. Although I don't think that he would necessarily elevate anybody on that team. Oh, and obviously Zeke. You have Zeke too. I was just talking about the receivers and offensive line. But he wouldn't elevate anyone much more fantasy-wise than I think Dak, just because Dak was so amazing last year. Don't forget Dak was a top-five quarterback. So... Brady, I don't even think, would be a top-five quarterback. I don't think he would have to throw as much. And he also doesn't have the running factor that helps Dak get into the top five. It's not, like, insane, like a Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton from Dak. But Dak definitely helps himself with his legs. And this was his only season that he didn't have six rushing touchdowns, which is weird because he's had six his first three. This was his fourth year, and I think he only had, like, between two and four. I don't remember, but it doesn't really matter. And so that's basically Brady. We talked about Brady Rivers. We talked about with the Bucks, with the Colts. I don't see him going anywhere else. Teddy Bridgewater is not going to start anywhere except for the Buccaneers. That's the only place that would bring in Teddy Bridgewater for a starting job, in my opinion. So <clears throat> if you bring in Teddy Bridgewater to the Bucks, you got to bump down Mike Evans. Chris Godwin will probably be super consistent, but you got to bump him down in terms of like touchdowns. I... So Michael Thomas did amazing with Teddy Bridgewater, yes. And Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin have a lot of similarities in terms of they create separation, they have some of the best hands in the NFL, if not both being in like the top three in terms of hands and not dropping the ball and whatnot. But the thing is, is that Michael Thomas was the only target in New Orleans. But Teddy Bridgewater, if he comes to the Bucks, he's going to have Godwin, Evans, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, and possibly Brashad Perryman. Those are much better targets and much well more well-rounded, well-rounded than uh, Michael Thomas was. So Chris Godwin would be consistent, but he couldn't put up the numbers he was putting up before with Jameis. And he was actually neck and neck with Michael Thomas, if you guys remember, last year in terms of fantasy points per game. So before he got injured, he was the wide receiver one. So with... Teddy Bridgewater coming to the Bucks, you bump everyone down a little bit. I think Chris Godwin would be consistent, but I think Mike Evans takes a much bigger hit, um, especially because Evans runs deeper a lot more than Chris Godwin does, and Teddy Bridgewater tends to be a safer quarterback. I was actually, just because I'm a Bucks fan, and there's been a lot of talk about us bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, 
I did some own my own personal like stat breakdowns and I was watching I have a NFL game pass and I was watching every single play that Teddy Bridgewater played when he was a starter in New Orleans and from what I gathered from that da- data is that he will always take the safe check down option or short route and he very rarely will throw the deep ball um you have to be like wide open for him to take that shot or it has to be a third and long and he thinks that at least it won't get intercepted then he'll throw it so i think uh evans takes a big hit if bridgewater goes to the bucks so right now for for bucks players for mike evans and fantasy uh in fantasy and chris godwin in fantasy what we are rooting for is if it's not going to be Jameis winston is tom brady that is the best option in terms of keeping the receivers in Tampa Bay, whether you're in a dynasty team or you just have them as keepers or you just want to draft him again because you like him, you want Brady to be a Buccaneer. And hopefully if all you guys get on the Brady Buccaneer bandwagon, maybe it'll happen because that's what I that's what I want to happen. I think that we have a team that can actually get very far in the playoffs if we have somebody that doesn't turn the ball over all the time because our defense is a lot better than people think. Um, but anyways, that's Bridgewater. Now let's talk about Jameis Winston. Obviously, don't need to talk about Jameis Winston with the Bucks. We know how good everyone is in fantasy when Jameis Winston is a Buccaneer, including himself. So if Jameis Winston goes somewhere else, I don't think there's as many Jameis Winston suitors as other people may believe. Okay, the only places I could see him starting, he's definitely not going to go to the Titans. Okay, the Titans drafted Mariota in the same draft that we drafted Jameis Winston. They just let go of Mariota. I think that in and of itself would be kind of like a gross feeling to bring in the guy that was drafted with the guy that you just let go. And Jameis Winston is a high turnover guy. And I don't think that Mike Vrabel is really somebody who is into developing a quarterback and teaching them to be smarter. And like, that's not one of his main focuses, I don't think. I think he would rather just grab a quarterback that is not turnover prone and just get somebody that is knows how to play safer i actually think teddy bridgewater would be a pretty good titan um so maybe maybe that's one other place he could start actually i like that so there you go new new discovery unplanned on the podcast teddy bridgewater would be a pretty nice titan um that would make sense for the offense he's pretty much like ryan Tannehill, and he actually might be a tiny bit better um, so that, that would actually make really good sense if, if they don't want to bring back Tanhill and they can't get Brady is them going for Bridgewater. But yeah, Bridge, uh, who are we talking about? Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, um, he's not going to be a Titan. He is not going to be a Raider. He would probably be the only place I could see him going outside of the Bucks, which it doesn't seem likely right now that that's what's going to happen is he goes to the Chargers or the Patriots. If he goes to the Patriots, I will be very intrigued because everyone said this offseason, oh, if anyone can fix Jameis Winston, it's Bruce Arians. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. Maybe it would get better if Jameis Winston stays for a second season, but definitely in a year it did not happen at all. 30 interceptions, and he also had like five fumbles. Like, come on. That's just, that's atrocious. But I don't understand why people were saying, if anyone, and then Bruce Arians is the top guy. Yeah, he's had a track record, but let's rephrase that. This is the saying. If anyone can fix Jameis Winston, it's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the person that can fix Winston. So Bruce Arians, I think, is number two in that 
saying. I think the real answer to that question is Bill Belichick. If he goes to the Patriots, he has Nikhil Harry. They're probably going to bring in another weapon. He's got Muhammad Sanu. He's got just enough to sling the ball around and make that team dangerous. I think their offense would be better with Winston than it was with Brady. And that's nothing against Brady. That's just because Winston, that's part of what you get with his turnovers. Part of the reason he turns the ball over so much is because he takes so many chances. And so many times those chances work out well in terms of either him throwing a crazy deep ball or him, you know, just being crazy and like avoiding three tackles and then falling to the ground and throwing the ball across his body and somehow it gets to a receiver who goes through two tackles and gets into the end zone. Stuff like that will make everyone in New England more fantasy relevant than they were with Brady. So I do think Jameis Winston is a fantasy machine, um, especially for not himself, but the people that he's throwing to. Like if you're in leagues with that penalize for turnovers, Winston's not going to be as attractive as he is in other leagues. But don't forget, when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin got hurt, Jameis Winston was still a top 12 quarterback. Uh, I could pull up the numbers, but I actually didn't plan this part of the podcast, so I don't have the numbers with me right now. But Jameis Winston was probably, I would I think it's safe to say, a top 10 quarterback still, um, even when Evans and Godwin got hurt. So he would just had Perriman. O.J. Howard wasn't really working out for us for, for whatever reason. Um, I think that would change if we brought in Brady. But for whatever reason, he wasn't doing much this season. Cameron Brate wasn't being used as he used to be used. So Jameis Winston really wasn't didn't have a, a great supporting cast, and he was still producing fantasy-wise. The people he was throwing to was still producing. Brashad Perryman was a great pickup, won so many people championships and playoff games. And so I think if he went to the Patriots, you'd see the same thing. Yeah, there's no Mike Evans, there's no Chris Godwin, but there's plenty to work with, and there's more over there than there was the last four weeks when Evans and Godwin were hurt that, that the Bucks had for Winston, and Winston still produced. So that would be super, super interesting. He's definitely a QB1 wherever he goes if he's starting. That's no question. And the people he's throwing to, you can pretty much bump up in any situation. So if he goes to the Patriots, you bump all those guys up. If he goes to the Chargers, which is the other place I think he can go, you bump all those guys up from last year. Keenan Allen with Jameis, I like that. Mike Williams with Jameis, I like that. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are so similar to to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mike Evans and Mike Williams are very similar in their play style. Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin are very similar in their play style. So he would be going from one nice dynamic duo to a less productive or less elite, but also amazing dynamic duo. And then maybe he uses Hunter Henry because Jameis likes to use tight ends. I think it was more Bruce Arians that caused OJ Howard and Cameron Brait not to be as uh, relevant in fantasy. Um, because we, we saw that, you know, no tight ends. That was part of the talk pre-draft for OJ Howard. A lot of people were worried about it. I wasn't worried about it. I was wrong on that. I thought that Bruce Arians didn't use tight ends because he never had one as good as OJ Howard, but I guess he just doesn't use tight ends that much. Um, and that's why OJ Howard and Cameron Brait, regardless of their talent, didn't produce that much. So he would probably make Hunter, Hunter Henry very good. And Austin Eckler would be good still. Their offense would be moving down the field a lot faster than it was before. They would have to. They would be putting more uh, stress on their defense. Not much more because I already talked about how Rivers th- turns over the ball a lot too. Um, and it seems like he tur- he turns it over. Yeah, he turns it over a lot, but not as much as Winston. 
So the defense would have a lot on their backs as well. But I would basically count Jameis as a quarterback one wherever he goes and bump up anyone in the receiving game for the team that he lands. But those are the only places I really see him starting. Outside of the Bucks would be the Patriots and the Chargers. I don't think the Raiders get rid of Derek Carr and bring in Jameis Winston. I don't see the Colts going that route because um, they're in a prime spot to draft a rookie quarterback. So if they don't want to go the the like complete veteran, because Jameis, he's a veteran in terms of like, yeah, he's been in the league for five years, but he's not a veteran in terms of like what people mean when they say veteran. A veteran is, you know, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. So if the Colts don't go the vet route, they're not going to go Jameis. They're going to get a rookie quarterback. So he's not going to be a, a Colt. Um, obviously we talked about the 49ers are only for Brady, so I'm not going to make up the 49ers anymore. Um, he could go to the Bears and compete versus Mitch Trubisky, but here's the thing. The Bucks put in a bid, or they, they offered Jameis Winston a contract. He declined it. We don't know exactly what the number was, but I would be willing to bet it was probably a two-year, probably $20 million to $25 million a year, probably like $20 million a year for two years. Um, so a $40 million contract over two years. If he declines that, which he obviously did, um, and now the Bucks are like, all right, you think, you know, we can't meet on a number, so you can test free agency. We're also going to test free agency, and we'll see what happens. So if he declined that, I don't see him going to a team for less, which is why it's hard to see him as a bear. But this is the situation that happens where Jameis ends up basically screwing himself. So uh, Brady goes back. Brady signs with, let's just say, it could happen in terms of any pairing, but this is one example. Brady signs with the Bucks, so the Bucks are filled. Um, Teddy Bridgewater signs with the Titans, and Philip River signs with the Colts, and Ryan Tannehill signs with the Patriots. Or Teddy Bridgewater signs with the Patriots, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill stays as a Titan. Whatever the case may be, right? Let's say the, the spots that are really need a, a starting quarterback get filled um or Brady goes to the Chargers and the Bucks trade for Andy Dalton and Philip Rivers goes to the Colts and the Titans stay with Tannehill boom all the all the spots are gone all of a sudden all the vacancies for starting quarterbacks are gone now he can't he can't come back and accept that deal that the Bucks offered him because it's off the table right so now he has to accept a backup job and he has to accept less money than what he already declined that the Bucks already offered. So that would mean that he would have to go somewhere that would pay him to be a backup. And a place that might do that would be the Bears because Trubisky is kind of... He is... He's weird. It's weird, the situation in Chicago right now. And if you're a Chicago Bear fan, I'm sorry. I know you probably don't believe in Mitch. I feel like more people don't believe in him than do. And for some reason, even though... Um, Matt Nagy did not draft Mitch Trubisky, even though that's not his problem. He's still standing by him, which is what I think is weird because Matt Nagy is from the Andy Reid system and he wants to run a really explosive offense. And you don't, that's not an offense that you can run with Mitch Trubisky. And so I don't know why he's standing by him, but he is. But I do think that they would definitely bring in a, a backup to compete against him. And so I think Jameis could end up there, and I do think he could beat out Trubisky. It would just take a couple bad games from Trubisky. Then they bring in Winston. He pull off some heroic nonsense um, and goes a game without turnovers, and then he's the starter. Um, so that would be interesting if he was a bear. But outside of that, 
that's pretty much it for Winston Mariota. I don't think he's going to start anywhere. So we don't, like I said, we don't need to talk to talk about him. I just wanted to pay, pay my respects to Marcus, um, and just mention his name. And then we have Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. If he's a Titan, I think that that's pretty much going to be what you saw last year. They don't have many changes. They don't have any coaching changes or any big personnel changes. Um, so you're pretty much going to get what you got last year. I think maybe on a lesser level, though, because A.J. Brown's going to be more... He's going to get studied over the offseason, and I don't think he's going to get as wide open as he was at other times that allowed him to break off huge plays. A lot of his um, touchdowns were huge, huge plays. So some of those you're going to take away, so I would be low, a little bit lower on A.J. Brown. I'm definitely not drafting A.J. Brown in the second or probably even third round. Maybe the back end of the third after I crunch numbers, but probably I'm probably looking at AJ Brown in the fourth round, uh, especially because I go RB heavy. But just in general, of like where I have him ranked in receivers, I doubt he's going to be a wide receiver one for me if they bring back Tannehill. And I don't think Tannehill starts anywhere other than Tennessee or possibly the Patriots. But I think him with the Patriots would be very similar to when Brady was there in terms of the fantasy production for everyone else in that offense. So you can just basically look at what they were doing last year. I think that's going to be pretty similar, except I do think that Julian Edelman would be worse with Tannehill than with Tom Brady. Then we have Dak Prescott. I don't know why he doesn't want to take the three-year, $100 million guarantee for 33-a-year deal that he was just offered with Dallas. Um, Some people call it greedy. I wouldn't go that far. Because he was a fourth-round draft pick, he has made, like, no money to this point. Other than, like, yeah, he ma- he's made money from commercials. And, like, compared to guys like us, he makes insane amount. He's made an insane amount of money. But he's obviously, everything is relative. Money is relative. Um, and he's going to be comparing himself to the guys that he sees on the other side of the field when he's suiting up to go into war on the football field. And he's seeing them making way more money than him. And he feels like he needs to catch up. So I guess I understand why he hasn't taken it, but I don't see anybody giving him a bigger contract than what he was just offered, so I think he should probably take that offer. But if for some reason Dak Prescott does not go to the Cowboys, um, I'm trying to even think where else he could go. Uh, I guess the Titans might take a chance on him. Um, I don't think the Colts would. The Raiders wouldn't. The Chargers might. Um, That's pretty much it. I don't think the Bucks would go that route with Dak Prescott. I think it's more likely they would go James, uh, not James Winston, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah, I think Dak is pretty much a cowboy, and if he doesn't go there, maybe the Titans or or also possibly the Patriots. But that's pretty much it. And then we have Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton will be traded right now. He's technically not a free agent. He's under contract, but they're drafting Joe Burrow and they're starting Joe Burrow. And Dalton does not want to be there to mentor, and they respect Dalton, and they're going to try and trade him to somewhere that he would like to go. I think Dalton would be actually a really good fit in Tampa. It would make sense for both sides of the ball. If Tampa cannot get Tom Brady, and they don't want to get Brid- they don't go for Bridgewater, and Jameis is not back, Dalton would actually make a lot of sense. He hasn't had that much weapons in uh, recent years in the, the Bengals organization because A.J. Green has been hurt. Yeah, he's had Tyler Boyd, but Tyler Boyd is not a Chris Godwin. Um, And then A.J. Green, even when healthy, is no longer as good as Mike Evans. And he was hurt most of the time. 
And then the offensive line in Tampa is better than the offensive line in Cincinnati. And we have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, which are much better than Tyler Eifert, who's always hurt as well, and C.J. Uzama. And so basically every position group on offense is better in the Buccaneers organization in Tampa Bay than it was in Cincinnati, except for running back. And that's the least impactful position for a quarterback's fantasy numbers. So if Dalton came to the Bucks, I think he would be a really sneaky late draft pick. I think he would have QB1 potential, at like a top 12 QB, QB not the QB1, um, with a ceiling at around QB6, 7, and probably a floor at like QB15. But I think he'll probably be drafting him around his floor. So I think, especially in super flex leagues, Dalton would be a, a really good steal if he came to the Bucks, And that's pretty much the only place I would see him starting. The other place I think he could be traded, though, would be the Bears, where he would back back up Trubisky and compete for the starting job. If he took it over in the Bears, I think it would be somewhat interesting because he would have Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. But I wouldn't wouldn't put much fantasy stock into that. Oh, and also with the Bucks, if he comes, I think outside of uh, Winston staying... Obviously, like I said, he's a fantasy machine. And Brady, I think for the production of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Andy Dalton would be the next best thing because I think he's a lot better than what we've seen because we haven't seen him in great situations recently in the Bengals organization. Everyone talks about that organization being a joke. And, you know, the Bucks, while they've had struggles, they know what they're doing on offense. They really do. And Dalton, if he came in here would throw a lot of touchdown passes to Evans and Godwin. I'll tell you that much. So I think that would be a good fit. And lastly, we have Derek Carr. Derek Carr is under contract. So if he leaves the Raiders, he's probably leaving the Raiders via a trade. And if so, trying to think of the teams that he would go to outside of the Bucks as a possibility. Because there were a lot of... So the Bucks have like multiple team websites we have like bucks nation pewter report buccaneers.com we have a bunch of places like that and i remember last season they were there were a couple articles that talked about oh what if the bucks trade for Derek carr well we see those articles again today so or like today you know now nowadays and so it's a possibility i wouldn't be surprised because Derek carr also hasn't had many weapons outside of amari cooper in his career so I think that that would be really interesting if you gave Derek Carr, Mike Evans, and Chris Godden, and then you had Bruce Arians whispering in his ear, you know, take those chances. Take those chances. It's fine if you make a mistake. We we support you. We got your back. So Derek Carr would be probably, he would be a QB1 in my eyes if he came to the Bucks. Outside of the Bucks, um, I think you're probably looking at maybe him getting traded to the Chargers, possibly. Or maybe the Titans, but outside of that, I don't see much happening. So we're 40 minutes in to the quarterback part of this version. I know my running backs were about 30 minutes. So I don't want to take this episode too long. If you have any questions, you can send them over to me. Um, you can send them to, you know, Deep Dive FF at Twitter, Deep Dive Fantasy Football on Instagram. I'm always checking the DMs, so you could just check them. Or you can just uh, hit me up in the DMs. I'll answer any questions you got. If there's anything you guys want me to talk about on a next podcast, I don't have my next podcast topic cemented yet. So if you want to send one over, I'll probably do the next one. Um, after free agency, definitely. 
Um, so I'll probably have an episode like talking about what happened in free agency, but there will probably be a lot of room to talk about other stuff. So if you guys have any interests in anything you want me to talk about, send it over. I'm going to cut this episode now. We talked about running backs in their landing spots. We talked about the quarterbacks available in free agency and places that they could land and what that would mean for the receivers and for them in fantasy. And that's about it. Hope you guys have a good one. This is Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Remember to give us a nice rating and review if you like it. And you can follow me, the host, Brandon Gabor, on Twitter. It's my name, at Brandon Gabor. Gabor is G-H-A-B-B-O-U-R. Hope you guys have a good one. Peace out.